Welcome to the Buzzed in Baltimore podcast. I'm your host, Jess Mayhew. I cover nightlife and spirits for Baltimore Magazine, and this podcast is an extension of that coverage. We talk about bars, drinks, and the people that bring them to you. We are here at Union Craft Brewing, and we're here with two-thirds of the ownership. Um, the other one is at a fish co- or going to a fish concert tonight. Um, we're here with John Zarevitz and Kevin Blodger, um, co-owners of Union. So thank you guys for having me in the office and cleaning <laughs> cleaning up the office a little <laughs> bit before we start. Um, so I don't know. July always makes me think of Union. Maybe that's because when you guys started, or I just drink a lot of Anthem in the summertime, or you always have like fun festivals. But I thought July would be a good month to sort of have you guys um if you could both just sort of start out and talk about like your foray into the craft beer world or just like nightlife and drinking even when you were younger and how that kind of turned into a career um well, i'll start sure um kevin uh i uh got into craft beer in college we had been drinking a bunch of shit beer um did they say shit beer oh yeah right, we, i have the explicit <laughs> on this okay for so yeah. we've been drinking a bunch of shit beer in college and i can i can remember the day my roommate said Instead of doing this, let's get like six, seven bucks together and buy a six pack of good beer. Um, so we went out and good beer at that time was probably like Pete's Wicked Ale or something like yeah. that to us. Um, and we started drinking this beer and we started to realize there's all these flavors and all this really cool stuff in craft beer that we hadn't thought about, you know, and, and, and never tasted before. It was really cool. Um, so I got more and more into it. I got a job at a liquor store. I started at home brewing um, and that kind of led me into brewing as a profession. Uh, so when I got out of Maryland, I took a job as an assistant brewer, and I've been doing it ever since, except for a couple of years when I went to the uh, special ed school. You went to Maryland? Yeah, I went to Maryland. I did too. All right, cool, cool. They didn't have much craft beer on tap at Bentley's, I don't think. No, they didn't. <laughs> Duncan was on tap at Bentley's for a while. Was it really? Yeah. Oh my God, that's, that's yeah, a pretty, it was pretty good cool. get. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I drank just shit beer, like you said, yeah. the whole time in college. Yeah, I remember we'd get like a case of 1540s for 15 bucks, and Oh yeah, forties. Have at it. I mean, when you're broke, that's like the only way to yeah. drink. Really. Yeah. Um, and you worked at Gordon Beers, didn't you? Yeah, I worked at Gordon Beers for about five years. Um, Cap City Brewing here in the Inner Harbor before that, and then at Frederick Brewing, which is now Flying Dog. Gotcha. Uh, before that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Gordon Beers, do they have like the strict kind of like German rules <laughs> of doing stuff? I or? mean, they did when I was there. Now you can brew whatever you want, um, but because of, that's what consultants told me. Yeah. But uh, when I was there, it was strictly German. It had to be German in origin. Um, you had to submit every beer, get it approved before you could brew it. Um, and I think that they kind of got the reputation of being this stodgy kind of chain restaurant. So to kind of break free of that, they've allowed the brewers now to have a lot more freedom in what they brew. That's cool. Yeah. I think. I mean, I think it's good beer. It does have that sort of reputation of mm-hmm. like being a chain, but I don't know. I like their beer. I mean, I think Gordon Beer is a great training ground for brewers. Um, at least it used to be. I guess it still is. Yeah. Because you had to brew the same five beers, and they wanted to taste the same in every restaurant. And you would send in your beers to a lab to get analyzed, and that's kind of how you would bonus. Um, so if you get you had 100% of the numbers they were looking for, you got 100% of your bonus, and so forth and so on. And they would send those numbers out to everybody in the company. So it was kind of like you wanted your numbers to be high. You wanted to be in the 80s yeah. at least. Good way to get um, your like science down. Yeah, and, and yeah. people or people would talk shit to you or you'd be made fun of. <laughs> right. Um, or you'd, and you'd end up losing your job after a while if you weren't hitting your numbers. Huh. So it was good to kind of get in a repetition of consistently brewing the same thing over and over again. That's cool. Yeah. John, what about you? Um, my earliest beer memories were the Red Dogs and Bud Ices of mm-hmm. the world. 
Um, but then when I was about 16, I had a job as a produce boy at a gourmet grocery store that also had a small beer section. And I remember seeing Blue Moon on the shelf and it being an attractive package. And I was very curious about what it was. Um, so one way or another, got my hands on that six pack. And um, that definitely opened my mind to other styles of beer um, and flavorful beer. And then fast forward, I go to college in uh, UMass Amherst in New England. And the sort of scene I was in wasn't interested in mass produced beer. And there was a local brewery, Berkshire Brewing Company. And so when we had (laughs) keg parties, there was always, it was like a keg of porter or, you know, a keg of something local, crafty. um, And everybody was into that. Yeah. So I didn't have that typical college keg party beer experience. A porter you don't see very often in a, in a keg, at least in college. Right. I mean, we'd have, I think the closest to mass-produced beer that we had, we'd have actual black and tan parties. So we'd get, we'd get kegs of Guinness and a keg of Harp or something like that. And we'd have the nitro and oh, we'd, we'd cool have idea. the whole setup and everybody would come. We had the spoon and everybody would do black and tan. Wow. Um, so that really opened me up to what beer can be. Um, I had a job as a dishwasher at, an, at a brew pub that was opening mm-hmm. um, out there. So I actually got to see a brewery being built. Um, and um, I wasn't, I still wasn't 21, so I didn't get to taste a lot of that beer, but it was just cool to be a part of that. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, life led me in other directions. Beer kind of took a back seat, but it was always there. I was always interested in it. Um, and then I probably eight or nine years ago started to really start to get interested in exploring beer styles and going to beer bars and going to Max's and um, through that experience got more into it. Started trading online with people to get beers that were out of market. Get like um, super nerdy with it. Getting nerdy with it for <laughs> yeah. sure. Needed needing to have you know uh, West Letter and Twelve and knew somebody that was going to Belgium and made them go and wow. get get that get that for me. Um, so those, you know, the hunting for those white whale beers, um, you know, became a little bit of an obsession. I kind of have a collector's mentality anyway. Um, and that sort of became a hobby, which eventually led to buying a homebrew kit and starting to homebrew on the stove and then upgraded to the turkey fryer in the backyard and (laughs) never really made anything very good, but, um, got me very interested in brewing. And this is just as craft beer started to explode in the country and, um, I was looking for another career option, being unsatisfied in my current career. So um, it suits me, it just suits my personality and my interests. Um, um, so when we, the three of us, were able to come together, it was just like the right fit for me. How did the three of you guys connect? Um, Adam and myself at the college together. Okay. Um, so we drank a lot of beer together um, and just became really close friends. Um, and so throughout that time, we, we drink beers and we, we were trading beers too, uh, with each other and with people throughout the country. Yeah. Um, and so I guess it was probably about 2008, um, Admin met John through a mutual friend of ours at their wedding, I believe. And, uh, Adam started talking, Hey, we could open a brewery in Baltimore. I think like the time is right for that. Um, so he was like, you shouldn't move back. I was living in Chicago land at the time. He was like, you should move back. I met this guy, John, he's interested in doing the same thing. 
Um, so I guess what, 2009 we went to San Francisco? The three of us met up and went to the Craft Brewers Conference in San Francisco. Kind of for me and John to meet and for the three of us to kind of see if this was really viable to do. Um, I think going out there, we all kind of clicked, uh, um, got to talk to a lot of manufacturers of equipment, and figured this was really something we could do. And what year was that? That, that was 2009. 2009. So in 2010, October 2010, I moved back to the area, and that's when we got really serious about writing a business plan and figuring it all out. Were um, you, like, excited to move back here? Had you, did you... Yeah, you know, we'd had, just had, a, we'd had a child in uh, December of 2009. Okay. My wife wanted to be closer to the family. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I was excited to be back. I really liked living outside of Chicago. I loved it there. Um, but we didn't have family clothes, and I, my wife is really homesick. And, yeah, and Baltimore finds a way to, like, pull you back in a yeah. lot of times. Sure does. Yeah, yeah. so we moved back in, in, in 2010, and that's when we really got working on the plan for doing the union. And what was kind of the, the initial concept that you discussed? I know, like, being in the city was really important for you guys. Um, anything else that was, like, high priority? Like, um. The thing that really was the impetus for this was that, so Adam and I would meet up every Tuesday night at Max's and we would talk about a brewery. Uh-huh. Um, uh, we had all traveled around the country and visited all these breweries around the country and seeing how people gravitated towards the brewery tap rooms and the brewery activities and right. how much of a community hub they were. Um, and there was no place available to us in Baltimore to do that. Yeah. I mean, there was no manufacturer that invited people, you know, I mean, heavy seas did to a certain extent, but you but know, that was before they even remade their tap room. Anyways. Right. It was, yeah. Right. Exactly. So the old, the old tap room and, yeah. you know, you do a brewery tour once you've kind of done it, you know, yeah. it, 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 there's, there's not a lot to bring you back. Um, and so we really craved that and to have a brand that we could kind of really, um, attach ourselves to as part of our lifestyle and as part of the fabric of Baltimore. And so we kept thinking about this and no one was doing it. Nothing had been done in a really long time. Um, so that was it. It was basically like, let we knew what good craft beer was. We had this idea in our heads that people will want this. They just don't know it yet mm-hmm. because they haven't been exposed to it in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we could do it. Um, we were in the right point in our lives and um, really felt committed to these ideas, um, and then we just went for it. And so you opened, when was, like, the official opening? First bats was June of 2012. Yeah, I think and June 28th is the so, first beer launch. Yeah, so there. end of June we yeah. had, uh, the launch at Max's. And, um, did you, the, did you guys feel like it kind of just, like, initially took off and exploded and, like, more so than thought or more so than you expected? I, I think we, we did a little bit of work because when we first opened, we couldn't sell pints over the bar. You could come in and if you took a tour, we could give you six three-ounce samples mm-hmm. and you could buy beer to go. At the time, we weren't packaging the beer in cans, right. so that meant growlers. Um, so uh, we uh, kind of talked to some other people who were interested in being able to sell beer. John testified in Annapolis uh, to try and get the law changed. Um, at first, the wholesales were against it, but then they kind of uh, relented a little bit. To really get past that, we could sell pints over the bar, and I think that's what helped us really take off. Um, now, before that, we could throw an event once a month. We get a special permit, and we could sell beer once a month. Having the it ability had to, be to once a month. Once, well, it didn't have to. We had twelve times a year, so we want to do that. Got it. Twelve days in a row, we could do that. Right, you know? right. But uh, so once we were able to sell pints over the bar, have the tap room open, I think that's what really helped us grow because people got to come here and kind of see what we were all about. Um, and it wasn't just a tour and a tasting on Saturdays when it was back. 
we come in on a Thursday and Friday, kind of hang out, right. have some pints, and then one of us is only running around, so you can say hi. And, yeah. Uh, I think that's what, that's what really uh, helped us blow up. I think another thing that really helped us blow up is that we're, we're really dedicated to community in Baltimore. We wanted to do yeah. events here, and from the beginning, we tried to throw events that, like, welcome people to Union and try to show what we feel about Baltimore. We wanted them to feel about us. A question I've always wanted to ask you guys is, do you ever say no to opportunities? Because I feel like everything I go to Union, maybe not everything, but virtually everything I go to Union is involved in some way or another. Also, like, when do you sleep? Like, all those questions, I'm sure you get asked a lot. But, um, Firewalls. I mean, I guess that was important to you from the get-go to be involved and, and collaborate with people. And Yeah, absolutely. It's a big part of who we are um, as a company. And... Like I said, to be part of the fabric of Baltimore, it doesn't just take place here at the brewery. It takes place all over the city. Uh, and there's so many people doing good work here um, that, of course, we want to align our brand with those people that are doing good things. Um, it's all about uh, uplifting, uh, uplifting the city. So, you know, when we first opened, we couldn't say no. We just didn't feel like we could. So we said yes to pretty much everything. Now, as you know, we're four years in, we can be more selective, but at the same time, we're also able to handle more things. So right. um, we are definitely learning to say no. It's not an easy thing, but we're learning to say no. We can only do so much, but at the same time, our capabilities are growing. So it almost doesn't seem like we are saying no. And um, do you feel like you ever get like FOMO a little bit if you say no to things or do you have that mentality? I think that's natural. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. You know, if somebody else gets it and right. it's an awesome event and people start talking about it and we turned it down, like, sure. Damn it. Yeah. 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 Um, but that also gets easier to deal with, you yeah. know, when there's so many things going on. And, and as you grow and like mature as a business too, I would think that would be. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that think we're at everything. There's a lot of stuff where we sit back and we're like, why weren't we invited back? You know? like, <laughs> it's yeah. all so, perspective. Yeah, right? yeah absolutely. Um, so talk about your portfolio. Obviously, you guys started with Duckpin. Um, what was the reasoning behind that being sort of like your flagship and your first? So we started with Duckpin and Vault. Vault, yeah. Um, so Duckpin, just because the market at that time, I think still at this time, kind of demands a pale ale or an IPA to a large extent. Yeah. Um, and so we kind of talked about, we didn't really want to start with an IPA. Everybody had an IPA. So we said, let's do like a, a hoppy West Coast style pale ale. Um, and so we kind of worked on it. I brewed a couple of batches at Gordon Beerish um, right towards the end. I think I called it a Hellas Alt Beer at the time, just sneaking into the German thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was really a hoppy West Coast IPA. But, um, so, we, so you were kind of being sneaky. No, not, not sneaky. <laughs> I, was, I brewed a good beer. Yeah, we, uh, yeah. Got it. <laughs> it was a test of what we wanted to do. We yeah. homebrewed a couple of times, but that was never an accurate representation. So we're like, let's do it on, on this. Um, and the Alt Beer was just a beer that I really liked. Won some awards for it at Gordon Beerish. And I thought it was a cool beer. Not many breweries are brewing an alt beer. Um, yeah. And so I think it's a delicious beer. So we thought, let's start with a darker beer, and then we'll start with a spit light. I think you probably, like, introduced alt beer to a lot of people that might have never even heard of it before. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny now, cool. because that beer, I don't think, it, it, I'm, struggles is the wrong word, but if you look at our portfolio, it's the beer that sells the least in the core four. Hmm. And we always have these debates, like, should we change it to bald amber or... Because I think alt beer scares people. You've heard pale ale before. Right. You've heard lager before. Right. You've heard you know these terms, but you haven't heard alt beer before. And I think that makes people hesitant. 
yeah. to try because it doesn't know what it is. So just talking about changing the branding, not the recipe. Yeah, no, not the recipe. Yeah, gotcha. It's no, it's it's delicious. Yeah. I was gonna say don't don't mess with that. But part yeah. of me feels like, God damn it, let's just prove what an all beer is. Right. I mean that the, the reason why, and we we went back and forth when making design yeah. cans. Mm-hmm. Um, we thought it was our responsibility to teach people what an off year was so to be true to the style and put the word on there and make them look it up or right. you know explore yeah. what that beer is yeah um but when you're talking sales as the bottom line um that doesn't always work you yeah know? sometimes it takes more education on the back end um and other times you just need to be you need to play into what sells and what grabs people right. off the shelf yeah. but I, I don't know i think it's kind of cool that choosing to sort of drop some knowledge as opposed to, you know, doing what is comfortable for people, right. which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and I think too, like you were just saying, like your, your packaging and your graphics is, is so much a part of your identity. Um, I know that's sort of your background, John, right? Like graphic Correct. design stuff. Yeah. Um, so, so how important was that stuff to you and, and, um, like creating that identity and just making those graphics like bold and different? And, yeah. Um, you know, the three of us each bring a unique um, part of this sort of power trio, um, and they all play into how beer sells, right? You yeah. know, Kevin makes amazing liquid. Um, Adam can do all this, all the business magic to make this all run smoothly. Um, and you know, I see my job is getting people to pull those beers off the shelf. Yeah. Um, and. I wanted to combine all the things that I love, all my interests in life, and art and graphic design is a huge part of it. I was a graphic designer um, for eight plus years, um, both freelance and corporate. I collect art. I'm just very a follow artist. Was very interested in that. Um, so I thought a lot about. I think our brewery has a big, a, a, a strong sense of place, and we like know about Baltimore and the history of Baltimore and the people that are here, right. um, and what creates loyalty. We're a very loyal town, um, so I wanted to do something that was um, classic, slightly retro, but also still with one foot in like modern design. Yeah. Um, so you know, I think the names are the first thing that grabs people, um, and we always... Do you collaborate on those, like brainstorm them together, um, or...? Well, we're, we certainly are doing a lot more of that these days as the pool gets thinner. Yeah. Um, and uh, it gets harder and harder to name beers, just that there's, a, you know, thousands of breweries yeah. <laughs> opening in the country every... And we all need names. Right. Um, not many breweries are just doing the brewery name and then the style, you know, yeah. everybody's coming up with names. Uh, and I love names. It's one of the my favorite parts of this. Of, of, totally. I think that'd be really fun. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It, it is great. But it's getting much more difficult. At first, like, Duck Pin, I mean, that probably came before the brewery name. I mean, wow. we knew we were making a beer called Duck Pin. Yeah. Um, so that was the impetus. Once Duck Pin was sort of locked in, the other four beers fell into that template. Um, and then some things just hit, like Anthem. Mm-hmm. You know, Anthem was just given to us by the gods it was like the uh, the um bicentennial of the writing of the national anthem came up and um we knew exactly what style of beer to make i knew what the can was going to look like you know and the name, the name. just all like found place yeah that yeah. one was that was just like a perfect one perfect example of that um but it is a big part of our identity um and we will continue to evolve and develop it 
I am not the kind of guy that like I kind of have this like visual ADD. I mm-hmm. want to do. I want to work with illustrators. I want to work with photographers. I want to work with um, typographers. You know, I want to do all these things right. and still kind of have them integrate. So it's okay with me that our look and feel will evolve over time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You work with Gila Press on yes. your cans too, right? Yes. Uh, so. Um, Kat Feuerstein and Natalie Cohn at Gila Press have been crucial to sort of our creative team. Um, they've helped us execute all, pretty much all the designs, although now I have a bigger roster of artists that I work with. But one way or another, they, they touch just about everything that comes through here. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so what are some, some of the new beers that um, you guys are excited about? Um, I mentioned Steady Eddie when we were walking through, I think. Just anecdotally, people, I don't know how sales are, but people love that beer, it seems like. Um, yeah, it's been really well for us. Yeah, what, have, what else have you been excited about lately? Um, we're doing a beer for Max's 30th anniversary, kind of a, a play on a, on a Goza. So our Old Pro is one of our popular summer beers. So it's a similar beer to Old Pro in terms of recipe, a little bit higher alcohol, um, but then we uh, hopped it up a little bit. We used some experimental hops in it um, and some, some hops from New Zealand. Uh, we tasted it for the first time today, and it's really interesting. Nice. So, so we're looking forward to that. Um, Do you, have you named that one yet? We haven't no? named that one yet. Gotcha. Um, and then we're, our anniversary is coming up, so Chessie will be back out, which is our anniversary barley wine. Royal Farmhouse IPA will be out. Um, and then we have a few other beers that are coming out that I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing how they turn out. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, I can't. I mean, does it feel like four years old feels right? Does it feel like too long, too short? It feels kind of crazy. You know, four years has gone by. It's it's kind of crazy when I think about it. Yeah, yeah. When I think of like the number four, it doesn't feel like enough to me. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we have been around longer than four years, and a lot of people say that to me yeah. as well. Um, but it's both one of those things where like it's gone by super fast, and yet I feel like we've been doing this forever. forever. Yeah. Well, and I think part of that is. You guys are so ingrained in the community, and I know that was intentional. Um, and it's interesting, like talking to other brewers who are like a little bit, you know, earlier in the process. I know I think we met with the same two guys yesterday. They're not like ready to go public with their opening their brewery, but they said something to me about do- doing it the union way. And that's really interesting because, um, you know, you were talking about how there really wasn't a tap room and a community feel, but like every place that opens now like wants that, and that has to be really like flattering for you guys to to hear that you sort of started this this trend and, and this thing that people want to emulate. I mean, that's got to be really cool, I would think. It definitely is. It is. Um, <laughs> and maybe a little trippy, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, there was there's definitely these brewers that have been in town a lot longer than us, and um, we have a lot of reverence and respect for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had a different perspective coming into this, and... Um, you know, not to sound like, uh, you know, told you so or anything like that, but I just, we just knew that people wanted this. There was a void. Yeah. Yeah. And we were able to fill it. And I think that just our personalities really come through in this company. And uh, somehow it's just a natural thing for us to be able to do this stuff with relative ease. I mean, right. not, none of this stuff is easy. Right. Um, but, you know, the way that it just comes to us, the concepts, the way to make the relationships with people in town, um, to develop the, the general vibe of union, 
um, is just us. Yeah. And, um, and you're like authentic and right. We feel like we don't have to struggle really hard to connect. And, um, it's been cool because we've seen, we've kind of lit a fire under the other companies in town and inspired new companies to open. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's awesome to have been a part of this ushering in of this new wave of brewing and craft beer and community in town. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't just touch beer. It touches all these other businesses that want a similar thing. And that's awesome. It's just better. It just makes life better for people that live in Baltimore. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think what's interesting, too, is that uh, tap rooms are sort of becoming destinations now. Like, they're, uh, you know, my, my co-worker might be having her baby shower at Waverly. And, yeah. like, you know, stuff like that just wouldn't have happened a few years ago. Wouldn't have happened before you guys were here, I don't mm -hmm. think. Um, and so do you kind of see that trend happening as, as like tap rooms are sort of becoming bars for a lot of people and do you feel kind of responsible for that in some ways? I mean, yes, in terms of the new bars, responsible, I don't know. Like, I lived in, in Chicago, Goosan would have these dock parties every every quarter, which on the season would change, they'd invite everybody in, they'd have these big parties and yeah. like breweries like Half Baker were in the middle of the neighborhoods and people would go there and hang out. Um, so I think it's a, it's a nationwide trend of like yeah. these tap rooms are happening and more and more centered around the tap room. We don't want to be the new bar in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. We want people to come and hang out and experience our beer and experience union. But at the same time, we know we have all these bars that are selling our product around us and we're not here to try and compete with them. Right. We just want, we want to be part of the neighborhood and showcase our beer. Yeah, 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 in addition to it and not, not kind of opposed to it. Yeah. It was interesting. I was just, I just went to Denver for the first time in May and Denver's obviously crazy. Mm -hmm. um, it's almost like it, I was like over sensory overload, like walking down some of those streets, just like the breweries and the distilleries. But really, there when you go to hang out, more often than not, you're going to a brewery rather than a, rather than a bar. Right. And I, that, obviously, that hasn't really happened in Baltimore yet. Um, but as these breweries start to open up more and more and more, it's interesting. Like I wonder if you know that's kind of the direction that we're heading. Yeah, I mean, it, and it, it it may be. It's hard to say. I mean, I know that. We carefully consider ways to not be a bar, mm -hmm. um, and you, you know, I don't know how people perceive it when they're here, but um, you know, we do a lot of stuff out in our parking lot. Right. We do, you know, we only serve our beer. We're not making cocktails. We're not, um, you know, we're, we're not your neighborhood bar. Um, we want to have this different, a different kind of experience. But we are going to have a brewery. When you're coming. Right. Yeah, 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 right. Right. Yeah. And so uh, to, to us, a brewery is more than a bar. It's more than just a beer factory. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a, it's a community hub. I think, it may, I think it makes a lot of sense to, you know, if you have an organization and you want to have a meetup or something, to do it in our tap room rather at the bar. Right. Um, there's just a different feel. It's more, na it's more friendly, neighborhood kind of vibe. It's not... Uh, a dark place to, mm -hmm. you know, meet your Tinder date necessarily. It's a little more interactive too, right? Because you can like go on a tour if you want, if you want to do that. Yeah. It's part of your thing. Or... Yeah. And for, and for us, it's, it's the, it's the front lines of our built brand building, right. uh, beer education. Um, that's really what it's all about. Um, we certainly hope that we always offer the opportunity to learn about beer when you're here. Yeah. Um, and you guys have always done really cool kind of creative fun events. Um, I was just curious in the past four years, has there been a standout kind of favorite event for you two personally? Because um, hmm. I know you guys get to have a little hmm. fun, even though, you know, it's your place of work. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of, a, a few things pop into mind. Some of them that have happened recently. 
not they're not always the most well attended events, but they're just special in certain ways. So, um, I mean, first of all, our anniversary parties are amazing because those are the the largest gatherings of people that we have once a year. Um, but the old pro invitational that happened in Ocean City this year, which that was, was a awesome. which was a miniature golf uh, tournament that we had. Uh, 160 people came out and played sort of competitive mini golf. Um, was amazing. They got like real competitive with it. Yeah, so I'm at, I'm I'm hoping that next year it's actually even more competitive. Um, you did the golf thing here, which was really fun too. I we did, that. yeah. Uh, that was sort of the first impetus of the uh, of of the old pro invitational where we had a few local artists build some creative uh, mini golf holes, mm-hmm. and we did it in the parking lot. Um, the, uh, the heavy metal parking lot event that we just had was just super fun and special. Uh, I really enjoyed that. You took a piece of Maryland that maybe not everyone knows about, but that is very, like, kind of uniquely, like, special to this area. Which is which exactly is... what we want to do. Right. Yeah. It's not something that anyone outside of this area might even know about, but, like, if you've lived here for long enough, like, yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, that, that right. thing. But the thing that makes that film so special is that, it's really known all over the country and even all over the world. I mean, it's pre-viral, viral video. Right. It just happens to have taken place in Maryland. So Pre-YouTube and all that yeah, stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm sure the first time a lot of people heard a Glen Burnie accent was, uh, was straight from the film. <laughs> Very thick Glen Burnie accent. I think my favorite event we've done here is the... Uh, the bike party we did that Halloween bike party. I guess yeah. was that in 2013, yeah, maybe. That's definitely on the list. And that was it was just a crazy party. I don't think we knew what to expect. We knew we were having bike party here. We've done one before, maybe that. Yeah, there was a. We've done one, and it was well attended. But then we did this Halloween one, and I just remember standing at the gates. There were like the bikers are coming, and just this stream of people in costume, thousand people in costume on bikes, yeah. came down the street. The cops came up and were like, "What the fuck is going on here?" <laughs> you know, and uh, they they cops, the cops were cool about it. But uh, we just had all these people here. We had a moon bounce. There were so many people God. in the moon bounce that I felt like the moon bounce was like bouncing sideways. Like, yeah, it was. It was such Doing a crazy. Moon bounce event. as an adult, not quite as easy as it yeah, was no. when you were a kid. Uh, yeah, and yeah. I think we'll yeah. never have an adult moon bounce at the brewery again. It's yeah. like so good in theory, and you get in there and you're like, oh my god. Yeah, like I'm winded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm so but it was just such a sore. great event. Yeah. I remember. I remember just standing back and looking out at the lot, and there was all these people here drinking our beer, having a great time, um, and it was just a really amazing event. And you had only been open for. Like six six months or a year, or maybe over a, a year. year. Yeah, maybe just over a year. But still, like for yeah. that turnout. Yeah, it was just a pretty pretty cool event. And the anniversary parties are always special. You know, it's a kind of our time to show off. That, hey, we're here another year. We've yeah. done this. Drink our beers. Enjoy this great thing that we set up. Yeah. So, I, I also have to reference the first Charm City Folk and Bluegrass Festival that took place here. Nice. Um, having that here um, made us comfortable with having larger events really schooled us in how to service an event like that. I mean, we had our asses handed to us. You and Bill and Jordan weren't expecting that many people, right? Uh, um, We had our asses handed to us that day. Um, We did a lot of things. We made a lot of mistakes that we now know, you know, exactly how to correct. (laughs) Um, So that was a great learning experience. Plus, we had some, you know, bluegrass legends here at the brewery, which is awesome. And I think it was cool for them to see, like, how many people are going to come out to a bluegrass festival yeah. they're like okay we need to move locations right. now <laughs> like yep. this is a little yeah, too to, small. right to max it out on the first one was was really cool that's awesome yeah. um and so talk about i know your third, fourth anniversary party is coming up um what do you guys have planned for that when is it and how can people get tickets and all that okay um yeah. it is uh saturday july 30th okay. um 
So this year we're going to have our biggest lineup of our classic beers, um, vintages, new beers. Um, we always bring out Chessie and Royal, but we've got a few new surprises this year. Uh, we'll have a ton of casks that uh, our brewer and uh, cellarman Lynn um, has taken over our cask program. She does some amazing infusions, so we'll have a whole cask bar. Um, we have the uh, 23 piece Baltimore Afrobeat Society playing. That's a lot of people. Um, this is a group that is sort of like this underground uh, band that comes together very rarely. Uh, some of them are professional musicians, some of them are hobbyists, but they all come together. They perform the music of Fela Kuti, um, all Afrobeat. Uh, I first saw them at a H&H um, &H warehouse party oh. that I don't know how I ended up there, but it was one of the most you amazing. You never know how you get to this. Right. Places. I mean, once, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, such a Baltimore thing mm -hmm. to be at a party like that. It was one of the best nights I've ever had in Baltimore. I was really unforgettable. Uh, from day one, we've been talking about having them here. So we're really excited. And this is the first time that they've. First time they're here, here cool. and their only um, summer performance. Um, wow. So we're That's real stoked about special. that. Uh, we'll have our buddy DJ Daniel Biltmore mm -hmm. doing, uh, doing some. Uh, DJing before the band and possibly after. We'll see how it goes. Uh, we've got a lot of great food. Gypsy Queen, uh, local oyster, a um, a uh, steam bun, pork bun pop-up from John Carroll and the, the uh, Smoking Bowls team. Oh, cool. um, we will have Pork Lord Tacos from uh, Chef Tim Dyson will be here doing that. Uh, Pizza de Joey will also be here serving up the big slices. Um, gosh, what else do we have? I don't know. Lots That's of fun lot stuff. Of stuff. Yeah, yeah, lots of fun stuff. Uh, if you were lucky enough to score a VIP ticket that has a uh, hour of open tasting plus a uh, buffet from La Cuchara nice. included. Uh, there'll be a new shirt. There'll be a new glass. Um, it's just a lot of fun and a great way to sort of celebrate um the, the brewery yeah, yeah that's awesome um and before we because I, I thought it'd be fun to like try some maybe new stuff or rare stuff or whatever um I just kind of wanted to get a sense from you guys of where you feel like the craft beer scene in Baltimore is now and, and kind of where we are compared to the rest of the country and and you know is it just only gonna grow is there a kind of a, a bubble you know that kind of thing um and how you just kind of see yourselves fitting into that um, for to me, Baltimore's always had a great drinking scene. There's mm -hmm. always been a dedicated crew of guys getting a little bit older now that have kept cast beer alive and, and in Baltimore. Uh, the crew that gets together Tuesday nights at Max's. Um, so it's always been cool that way. Um, and you know, you've got you've got Hugh and uh, Heavy Seas, Clipper City before that. Um, and you know, Hugh gets his props for pretty much creating the Baltimore. He's like the and, Godfather. Yeah, the and their own beer scene, you know? Like, yeah. back in the day, you had uh, Wild Goose, um, and you had uh, Brimstone that was here for a little bit. A few other breweries, but Hughes outlasted all those guys. He's still here. Um, and that and that's pretty cool to see. Yeah. Um, and so I think where the scene is going is you've got a bunch of guys that have grown up pretty much only drinking craft beer, a little bit younger than us, that are starting breweries now. So you have the guys at Diamondback. Uh, you got the guys at Monument City, uh, Full Tilt. Uh, you got Peabody Heights. So I think there's a scene starting in Baltimore, and I think there's room for, for everybody here and for everybody to make good beer and, and have good times. And it's kind of cool that we were a little bit ahead of that right. movement. Um, 
so that people know Union. Um, and I, I think yeah. we're just making good beers and trying to be part of the community and, and keep growing. Yeah. And yeah, what's the future for you guys as far as like possible expansion or you know growth in the next? Yeah, I mean, um, who's to say? We don't know, but the company is growing. It's grown faster than we projected. Um, we are absolutely outgrowing our facility here, uh, so um, a new facility is inevitable. Um, we've been working on that plan for a while. We continue to work on it. We have nothing finalized. We don't know what's going to happen or where we're going. Um, we are very passionate about staying in the city. Yeah, um, which can be really difficult. Very difficult. Yeah. When you're looking for a facility as large as the one we're looking for, um, and with all the sort of specific brewery needs, it's really difficult. Um, I feel like, I, I, I've said that I feel like I could be a commercial realtor at this point. I've seen so many warehouses, so many buildings, um, but we, we don't know yet. I think the thing that, you know, if anybody in Baltimore City government is listening to this, <laughs> is that Baltimore says they want to keep manufacturing jobs in the city, but yet they're almost giving property away to developers right? Um, and rezoning property for developers tax that, that could yeah. be used for, for manufacturing. For a manufacturing business, uh, probably in our next facility, we'll have up to 100 jobs. Um, being in the city is very, very important to us, um, but they're making it darn hard to yeah. find exactly what we want. So we're still looking. We still believe in Baltimore and want to be here. Right. But we could... Uh, yeah, they don't make it. They don't make it easy on you, unfortunately. Yeah. No. Um, well, so for now you're here, though, so yep. that's that's great. Yeah. Um, and do you want to maybe go into the tap room to try some beers? Yeah, I can definitely do that. Sure. Okay. I didn't know. Is there anything else you guys kind of want to plug or? Um, no, just that uh, you know, Union is always open to you. Well, not always. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. <laughs> um, Mostly. Yeah, but um, if you've never been here, we certainly invite you to come down and check it out. Um, follow us on all the social medias. Um, we're very active and doing lots of fun stuff, you know, for you guys. So um, make sure that you're aware of what's going on, and uh, you know, we will. We're doing stuff at um, all your local favorite watering holes so uh look all out of them. them all of them pretty much all of them and if this so mini plug for myself if this is any indication of craft beer um scene here i convinced the magazine to do a beer issue in february so cover story all about beer you guys will be all over it um it's taking me a few years but now they're, they're seeing the light i think because it's sold well and you know places like san diego and denver <laughs> and stuff and i i I think it'll do well here, right. hopefully. I mean, so. right there speaks to how the scene is growing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Baltimore Magazine's going to have a beer issue. Uh, Baltimore Beer Week keeps growing. Yeah. The Homebrewers Conference. The Homebrewers Conference yeah. was just here. That's a big Holy thing. Holy shit. I went to that Sour Fest at Alewife. I've never had so much sour beer in my life. It's yeah. crazy. Did they serve a bowl oh, of Oh, and I wanted to tell you, so the guy next to me was from out of town. I forget where he was from. Somewhere in the Midwest. And we tried... 15, no, 18 sours, and his favorite was Old Town. Oh, that's oh, awesome. So, I mean, there was stuff from, like, Europe and everywhere, so. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, there's the, the one guy. You have him. All right. <laughs> that's awesome. Yep. Um, awesome. Eight. All right, well, let's go try some beers. Yeah. Um, so, we have five beers in front of us. Do you want to just kind of, like, walk us through each? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll just tell you what they are real quick, and then you, you maybe you can elaborate a little bit more. So, first up, we have uh, Perfecta Pills. Um, which is a uh, German style pilsner that comes out each year right before um, Preakness. Mm -hmm. 
we have Heavy Metal Parking Lot, which is a Belgian-style golden strong ale. Uh, that was our tribute to the 30th anniversary of the film Heavy Metal Parking Lot. Uh, we have Steady Eddie, which is our um, spring seasonal IPA. Uh, one of my all-time favorite beers that we've ever created. And, uh, and so, Eddie Murray came here, right? And Eddie Murray did, uh, That's did, did stop by the brewery um, and is a fan. Then we have uh, the Blodgen Gooch, which is a <laughs> collaboration in a series of beers that we call the Reunion Collaboration, in which we reach out to former Maryland brewers who have since gone on to either work for or create their own breweries in other parts of the country. We bring them back here to brew with us. That's so cool. Uh, this was with Jason Oliver, head brewer of Devil's Backbone. And then last, we have our Bach 1000, which was our 1000th batch of beer made here. So when did that, when did you guys do that? We brewed it probably three months ago now, and then it just lagered for a long time before we Got it. released it. We really, really smooth. All right, cool. All right, so Perfecta Pills, do you want to sort of talk about yeah. this one? So Perfecta, one of my favorite beers that we do, um, kind of walks the line between a German and a Bohemian Pilsner. Um, German malt, German hops, but a little bit hoppier than the traditional German pills would be. Um, yeah. We use a relatively new hop called Mandarina Bavaria in it which is a uh, relatively new German kind of, uh, German hops are kind of known for being kind of earthy and spicy. Yeah. And this is more leans towards an American hop. It's got some citrus, almost tangerine notes to it. Uh -huh. um, so it adds just a hint of fruitiness to the beer. Um, I think this is probably the brewery favorite beer from the time it's released in, in late spring until it runs out and, you know, into summer. Um, we took a easy lot drinking. of it. so it's easy drinking, but it's still so full of flavor. Well, and I think a lot of pilsners, this kind of like on the back end just sort of fades away. Like there's not much of an aftertaste. Mm -hmm. This one, it's really nice that it kind of lingers. And a that's the mandarina, I think, giving it a little bit of that, that flavor. Man, this this is what I would be drinking if I yeah. worked here. I think. Yeah. yeah, we drink a lot. We of drink it. a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. between this and Old Crow. Well, what it's, it's like? Forever. It's five ABV. Yep. Okay. Well, that's doable. Um, okay, and then this one was the heavy metal parking lot, right? Correct. Yep. All right, so what? how did you kind of get inspired by the film? So when, when they reached out to John about doing a beer, um, I watched the movie about three or four times, 17 minutes long, so it's pretty quick, um, and tried to figure out what kind of beer should we do. I reached out to a couple of metalhead friends of mine from high school who kind of suggested, do, let's do some sort of like German lager. But I didn't really, I wasn't really feeling that. We have Perfecta coming out. We have Blackwing already. Um, so I kind of, I watched the movie again, and pretty much the movie's about getting fucked up in the parking lot. So right. I said, let's make a stronger beer that'll get you fucked up in the parking lot. So we did this Belgian Strong Gold, and it's about 8%, um, and it really packs a punch, but you, it's kind of hidden, it's really well hidden, I think. It, does John, not, it doesn't taste like an 8%. John me. did an event at um, College Park for like the first like official screening of the 30th anniversary, and he took the beer down, and he said there was one guy that was drinking the beer, drinking a lot of the beer, and John said he turned something that was like, we're going to see that guy passed out somewhere later. They walked out of the event, and the guy was passed yeah, out passed on the bench in front of the, uh, <laughs> awesome. in front of the event. Um, one of the other links to this whole thing is that uh, you know Judas Priest, um, which was the concert of which this documentary mm -hmm. took place outside of in the parking lot, um, is, uh, and at the time, was well known to be, or, or thought of to be this, like, a Satanist, Satanic uh, metal band. Right, right, right. So the most popular beer of this style is uh, Dougal. Uh, Duval means devil, but this style of beer is mo is often named after the devil. Mm -hmm. So another little concept that's, that's conceptual cool, link between yeah, the style cool. and the film. It's I mean, but it's it's masked really well. It's got 
I mean, it's a little bit fruity, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely a little bit fruity. It's just, it's great, great Belgian yeast strain in there that gives it that fruitiness. This is dangerous. So, if people want to drink this, they have to come here. Um, At this point, yeah. Uh, I mean, no, we have kegs out in distribution. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely seeing like untapped check ins from all, all around the city. Um, but we're the only place you can get, get a, a growl out of it. people have been asking about that. Yeah, to get it. Yeah. A lot of people. Um, and, but the cans, the limited edition cans, are all sold out. Got it. Um, that's delicious and dangerous. Yeah. That was the voice of Matt. He's the guy that gets his beer out. So yeah. Everybody yeah. in the city, him and Sean. Cameo, Thanks, cameo appearance from Matt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> no, no worries. Ladies, Matt likes to work out. He's a is Matt, CrossFit Is Matt freak. single? CrossFit yeah, he, he's, he's not single, but uh, yeah. Okay. But just to shout out. You just want to see a fine specimen of man yeah. in the brewery. Look sometime. at him carrying that beer. I mean, Currently carrying five cases of beer. Not even breaking a sweat. I can only carry two. <laughs> That's why he's your sales guy. <laughs> um, all right. So the third one is... Shit, Steady like, Eddie. Steady Eddie. Okay. So talk about... I mean, the, the inspiration is obviously Eddie Murray, but yes, yeah. So we uh, we wanted to brew a wheat IPA. Um, we were big fans of uh, there's a brewery in Indiana called Free Floyd's. They make a wheat IPA on a wheat pale ale. I don't know what they call it called a Gumball Head. So we kept talking about it. At one point, it's still a wheat IPA. So when we kind of decided we were going to do sort of rotating IPAs per season, when summer came, we said let's do this wheat IPA. Uh, but we didn't want it to taste like every other IPA. So I played around with some some. At the time, I guess Sriracha H wasn't a newer hop. Azaka is another hop that's in there, which is newer and Green Bullet. Um, we've kind of blended those three together. So you get this beer that's very influenced by the Sriracha H hop. It gives it a lot of lemony and dill characteristics. The Azaka gives it some kind of stone fruit. Um, it plays really well with the, with the wheat that we use in the beer. Um, so you get this kind of lemony dill. It's not like another IPA. It doesn't have say, the citrus or the hops pine. The are really subtle, you know, and it's, it's not piney. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah. Very, it's very fruity. Um, and uh, it's just, a, I think it's a really great beer for the summer. Um, and, it, and it forces you to think about IPAs kind of in a different way than you normally would. Which is exactly why, like, this beer excites me so much. Like, this is just a different IPA experience. And, like, you know, I just love the fact that, like, we're not afraid to put out a beer that someone is going to pick this up like oh it's a IPA mm-hmm. um, and they pick it up and they taste it and it's nothing it's like it's not they like expected. the green clash of right. the world it yeah. defies expectations it's incredibly refreshing it's perfect for this time of year uses really interesting hop character uh, hop, uh, hops which give it some just great character um, and this you can get in like most liquor stores now yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean it's, yeah. it's everywhere um, people are really taking to it which is great love to see it um you know, proud of the way the can looks. I'm super yeah. excited that Eddie Murray has gotten his yeah, hands on so it. Yeah, so that was my question. Why Eddie Murray? I mean, you could pick any Oriole. Um, we grew up in the era of Eddie Murray. I mean, going to mm-hmm. Memorial Stadium and chanting Eddie, mm-hmm. Eddie is like my best memory of sports. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he was a hero to us, especially Adam is a huge Orioles and baseball nut. Um, I think he, I've seen him like pictures of him wearing some sort of wig. He at has a game. been known to uh, make appearances dressed as Eddie Murray. Okay, that's what, that's what um, I have pictured in my head. And uh, so, Steady Eddie is is Eddie Murray's nickname. I mean, it's not like a sort of ubiquitous nickname that everybody knows, but like you know, if you're a hardcore baseball fan, you know he was uh, he was always good for for a big hit when when uh, when the O's needed it. Right. And. Um, you know, just a hero that we wanted to pay tribute to. 
Um, it's funny because a lot of the newer drinkers, or maybe even transplants to Baltimore, oh, they weren't even alive. Don't even know anything yeah. about Eddie Murray. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, he's just an all-time great Baltimore he, hero. He tried the beer, right? He tried what the beer. He, what did he have to say? He said he liked it. Yeah. yeah. So he's more of a wine guy, but yeah. oh, he, he liked the beer. All <laughs> Eddie Murray's a man of few words. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but he was uh, very gracious with us, and um, it was. Such did an you reach honor, out to him? Like, how did he wind up here? Uh, well, the story is basically we had put out the beer, um, and we had put out some t-shirts and, uh, Eddie Murray's lawyer actually saw the t-shirts online and she reached out on his behalf. Can always count on the lawyers to right. figure something out. Uh, but, but it's like super cool about cool. it. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, and we just explained to her that we were such big fans of his um, and, uh, and she sent him the beer and, awesome. and Eddie liked the beer so the next time he was in town he came by that's so cool Yeah. so it wasn't an Ozzy Osbourne situation no, no it was not at all it's pretty much the exact opposite, exact opposite. Of that. Yeah. well that speaks I mean makes you like me even more right? yeah. yeah that's awesome okay number four number four is uh, Balaj and Gooch oh right so this is a beer I brewed with Jason Oliver from Devil's Backbone uh, AKA a, uh, the Gooch. So, so why why does he why is he called the Gooch? Well, so the Gooch was an invisible bully, right? On, uh, mm. on uh, different, strokes. different strokes. So that's kind of like the Gooch. The Gooch will disappear and reappear. And he's uh, so he's the Gooch. Is he like evasive? Like, is he is that his personality? No, he's a really great guy. He yeah. just is a a guy that likes to, to drink and. Likes to disappear. Like the, Irish, the old yeah. Irish accent. I'm yeah, a fan yeah, of that yeah, as well. Yeah. I believe the kids call it ghosting. Yeah, they call it oh, ghosting now. Shit, yeah. I call um, it Irish. Should I up my uh, terminology? <laughs> yeah. Damn but it. so, so the Gooch uh, and I'm Blodge. People call me Blodge since I was like two, two years old, probably. And uh, so, Blodge and Gooch. Uh, he says if we ever brew it down at his place, it'll be Gooch and Blodge. Um, <laughs> and so we wanted to brew this beer, but we didn't know what to brew. Jason's really known for his uh, being a lager. Um, and we're known for doing these kind of cool kettle sour beers. So we said, look, what if we did a sour vina lager, kind of try to create some sort of new sour beer. Um, so he came up here, we brewed the wort, we soured it, um, dry hopped it with a little bit of German tetanang hops just for a little bit of aroma. And I think it's this really cool beer where you get kind of the sweetness from the malt that we get from a vina lager, followed by this kind of tart finish, which I really enjoy this beer. Right, but it's not like, I mean, it's not like, Ciders or Old Crow, where the, the tartness is like dominant, no, really balanced. Yeah, it's really balanced out, which is yeah. really cool. Um, and I wasn't sure what to expect from this beer, but it turned out really, really well. You know? Now, when you do that collaboration, does he have any at Devil's Backbone that he's been? No, and so well, that's you're where, gonna go there. Yeah, so so most of the time, what happens with collaborations, for the most part, is that wherever it's brewed, it's their beer. Got it. Um, and then maybe both locations brew it, or and so we've talked about doing something in his place, and that would be Gucci Ball. And when people want to drink this, they have to come here? Come here, and it's also uh, it's in the market. Okay. Um, it's probably ending towards the end of its life right now um, with the amount of kegs that we sent out. Yeah. Only, I think we had 40 barrels of this. So right. It released probably two months ago. We're, so. uh, we're concepting the next installment of the yeah. reunion series. How many of them have you done now? This is our second no, one. No, it's only the second. Yeah. The first one was with... Um, Will little, Golden yeah. from um, Austin Beer Works. We did Bolo, which was a, our first Oh, right, dry a little outside. Bolo tie. Yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay. And, and then last up is Batch 1000, aka Bach 1000. Not it. Uh, a German style of Doppelbach. Yeah. 
uh, traditional German style Doppelbach. Um, I really like brewing German beers. Uh, I think I do them really, really well. Um, this was one that uh, I took a recipe, um, I wrote a recipe for a beer. I wanted it to be a very just clean yeah. Doppelbach, but I wanted it to, we early on on this concept, let's take a majority of it, whatever it is, and put it in a bourbon barrel. So when I wrote the recipe for this beer, I tried to think about beers that I really like that have aged well in the barrels that we've made and like kind of use those ingredients. And so I think I made this beer that's kind of rigged to the play well in the barrels and will meld well with the kind of the bourbon and the vanilla flavors you get from the barrel. What um, what is it about like the, the German beers that kind of has that like sweet sweetness on the nose a little bit? Um, well in this beer it's just the, the malt that we use. We use okay. a little bit of caramunic in here. Um, a little bit of care aroma just to give it really so you pick up yeah it's very very malty yeah. but still kind of very dry at the same time mm -hmm. um, for an eight percent beer it, it drinks like a four and a half percent beer I think too. again um, these dangerous beers yeah they really are <laughs> um, but I, but I really I'm really enjoying this beer I'm really proud of how it turned out and I can't wait to see how it turns out in the barrels yeah so, so you wanted to do this for the thousands just because it was like something you always yeah so for visions. for five hundred we did a beer we called Baltimore which was a, a Shtika Alt, which is a stronger version of an Alt beer. Um, and so I'm gonna do that on the 500s, but for the thousands, I think we'll do different things every time. Thousands, so this is our first. It's awesome, it's really good. Um, and if people want this, do they come here or? Uh, Bach 1000 is out in the market now? In the very, very limited. Oh, right. we, we, so because, of, because we're aging so much in bourbon barrels, there's very limited kegs out in the market. It will be mostly tap room only. Yeah, um, very few kegs are gonna make it out. Now the barrel age will probably make it out more than the, the non-barrel age. Yes. And you just keep your bourbon barrels like right, right there. Well, those are barrels that are about to be filled okay. next week or two. So. Got it. Got it. Uh, we have a lot of them next door. <laughs> Guys, all right, it's like full. Yeah. Full to the brim here. Yeah, it, it is. Really is. It is full. Yeah. Our uh, our lives and hearts are full with union. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good problem to have, though, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for being on the sh episode and the show and the beers and um, thanks for coming out and talking. To yeah, yeah, thanks so much for being here and always supporting uh, local. I mean, it's. I always say like I'd have nothing to write about if people weren't like creative and doing awesome things. So. That's why the city and community is such a great place. There's yeah. so many creative things happening. Yeah. yeah. As always, thanks so much for listening to the Buzzed in Baltimore podcast. I just wanted to say a special note and apologize for some of the audio issues that went on during the podcast. Um, as you know, Union's right in Baltimore, so we were right by the light rail, so that was the occasional honking. And also, you know, they were brewing beer, so there was just a lot of noise. Um, but I hope it wasn't too distracting and hope you guys got something out of it. If you want to follow Union, you can do so on Union Brewing on Twitter and Instagram. And also you can get tickets to their fourth anniversary party on missionticks.com. And you can follow all things Buzzed in Baltimore at Buzzed in Be More on Twitter and Instagram. Cheers.